Grab your mug and take a chug. He's about to spill the tea. Saucy chatter on subject matter. It's just between you and me. Sit on back and hear him yak. It's gossip to a tea. It's cup of Joe. Cup of Joe. Joe. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of Cup of Joe, a podcast about the completely unnecessary things that I think about that I deem absolutely necessary for you to know. From celebrity gossip and entertainment news to Real Housewives and RuPaul's Drag Race. Plus, the candid celebrity interviews you won't find anywhere else. I'm your host, Joe Drake. Okay, full disclosure, that is fake applause, obviously, because I am in my apartment alone talking to myself, and I figure if we're all stuck in this pandemic for any longer, I may as well record myself talking so you can listen to me. First of all, I have to thank Bradford Proctor for that incredible theme song. He wrote it, he sang it, he recorded it. And let me tell you, if you want to feel good about yourself, have a friend write you a theme song. I have been listening to that for years, and I'll get into that in a second. Also, I want to give a big thanks to Juliet Gennari, my friend who did the lovely cover art. We had a blast putting it together. Let me tell you, Bradford and Juliet are two incredible, incredibly talented friends that if you need anything for artistic things, hire them, reach out to me. I'll give you their contact info. Again, if you need a theme song, I highly suggest you get Bradford to write you on because it helps with your ego a little bit. Also, before we get started, I have to admit, I completely Beyonce'd this podcast and I literally and by that I mean I literally told no one I was releasing it I am completely dropping this out of nowhere and no not because I think I'm Beyonce only sometimes but because I needed to do this for myself and I needed to do it with absolutely no outside interference so let me explain quickly the origin story of this podcast because believe it or not this has been I'm kind of embarrassed to admit it, 10 years in the making. So 10 years ago, I was working in retail and catering here in New York City, and I randomly had this idea of producing and hosting my own podcast. Now, this was back before podcasts were a huge thing. They were just sort of starting, and I sort of thought I've always wanted to host and produce, so maybe this would be a good start for me. Now, mind you, I had yet to start my career in production, and was far away from hosting anything, so I had absolutely zero experience. But I didn't let that deter me. I came up with the name Cup of Joe. I even made some pictures and did my own sort of busted cover art. And I actually remember talking to Bradford about this 10 years ago and asking if he would write a theme song for it because, I mean, it needed a theme song, right? And he wrote this for me. I It had to have been like, a day or two and sent it over to me and we made like next to no fixes and I have been sitting on that theme song for 10 years. So one of my friends at the time kind of poked fun at me at the bar about starting my own podcast and Cup of Joe and all this stuff and 
granted, it's a friend I don't talk to anymore. I don't even consider him a friend. But at that time, it totally crushed my ambition to to move on with it. So I tucked it away. I felt shame, which I, I can't even believe I did that. Well, cut to two years later, I get my first job in production. And now that I get going with, uh, you know, learning how to produce and learning how to, you know, put things together, I thought maybe I'll revive that podcast idea I had a few years ago. Well, one of my bosses at the time was kind of sarcastic and bitchy. And she said, well, who listens to podcasts? And again, a flippant comment that she probably didn't mean to be offensive, I took to heart and, again, tucked away my idea, felt shame that I even wanted to be creative, which was ridiculous, and away it went again. Well, a couple years ago, I spoke to a psychic medium who I believe will be joining us on the podcast in the coming weeks. I had the lovely honor of interviewing her for OK Magazine, and she told me off camera that I should start my own podcast, which if a psychic tells you to do something, you should probably do it because they know what they're talking about. And it made me think of all of these years that I had tucked this idea away and was too sort of ashamed to do it for myself and do it for everyone else and just have fun with it. And she was very encouraging. And of course, I had a lot of support from family and friends who not only gave from their heart, but also from their pocketbook to help make this happen. So I am forever indebted to them. But it just I just wanted to tell that quick story because I don't want, I think the moral is don't let others discourage you. And also don't get down on yourself for procrastinate, procrastinating on an idea. If you had an idea 10 years ago, bring it out of the closet because we're all sitting at home with nothing to do, or at least that's what I'm doing. So I figure I'm going to dust off that podcast idea and I'm going to buy a microphone and I'm going to ask Bradford if I can use a theme song and I'm going to call Juliet and say, can we make some cover art? Oh, we're going to do this. All right. Okay. So that's enough of that story. I, I just felt the need to get it off my chest and to share it with all of you. So let's get into our first segment, which is called The Tea. The tea is exceptionally good today. <laughs> Who made this? Mm. All right. So also, if you hear me slurping, it's because I have my own cup of joe and I'm having my little coffee this morning. Uh, well, maybe we can just make this an ASMR podcast. All right, the Golden Globe nominations were announced this morning. Uh, yes, award shows continue to fight it out during the pandemic. And I do think based on what we've saw, based on what we saw with the VMAs and the Emmys, I really think that they can do this. I, you know, the one bummer is the Golden Globes are the award show where they're all crammed together drinking. So it is that um, sort of fun, spontaneous thing where we don't know what's going to happen, who's going to get up drunk, who's going to walk in from the bathroom, a la Christine Lottie with toilet paper on her shoe from the 90s. Um, so that's the bad news. The good news is Tina Fey and Amy Poehler are back as hosts. Now, I didn't realize, but when I was preparing for this, I didn't realize they hadn't hosted since 2015. It's been six years. My friends and I often discuss why they don't just host everything. Every single award show, every year, let that be their full-time job. I mean, I feel like it's a no-brainer. 
Okay, so in terms of the nominations, one of my favorite movies of the year, which obviously it's been a weird year for movies, I'm sure we all miss going to the theater and watching our, you know, seeing new new films. But luckily we have been able to rent even if it's like 19.99, which is sort of annoying, isn't it? I want to pay my like $8 with my AMC Stubbs card. But anyway, I rented a movie recently with my roommate called Promising Young Woman and absolutely loved it. It was nominated for four Golden Globes, including Best Actress for Carrie Mulligan. It's probably my favorite movie of the year. It was just so far, again, because it's a strange year, but it was just one of those movies where it ends and you're like, damn, that was excellent. Highly recommend everyone watch it. Also, I'm not sure if you saw, but Hamilton was nominated for a couple of Golden Globes. All right, listen, I'm a Broadway gay. We're probably going to be talking a lot about Broadway on this podcast, but I don't understand. I understand that they filmed it for Disney Plus, and I'm glad they did because with Broadway being shut down, we all need our dose of theater. But I don't I don't understand. Like if that's the case, we should have been nominated nominating cats when they filmed it for VHS back in the early 90s, because I loved that recording, okay? Um, I, I do think it's probably just a, um, a reason to get the Hamilton cast there, maybe a performance, uh, just another reason to give Hamilton more awards. I support it, don't get me wrong. I'm just confused. Um, another nomination that I'm thrilled about is Andra Day, playing Billie Holiday. I have yet to see the movie, but I'm such an Andre Day fan that I think I already know I'm going to love it. It's one of those performances that like you already have declared that you love before you even see it. Her voice is incredible, and I think she is going to nail it. Um, from Billie Holiday to Hillbilly, Hillbilly Elegy, Glenn Close is nominated for Best Supporting Actress, which is sort of making me think, is this the performance that Glenn Close is going to win the Oscar for. If you remember last year, she famously didn't win for The Wife. Olivia Coleman won. Um, but I don't know if I want her to win for this. I felt like her performance in The Wife last year was so perfect because it was raw Glenn Close playing this um, sort of troubled wife. But Hillbilly Elegy is just her in like a million prosthetics and like a baggy t-shirt. I don't know if I'm feeling that for her. But I mean, I want her to win a, an Oscar. In terms of snubs, I'm not sure if you realize, but Meryl Streep was not nominated for The Prom. And a lot of people I talked to had mixed reactions to The Prom. Some people liked it. Some people didn't. Didn't I happened to absolutely love it. I saw it on Broadway, and I thought the movie was excellent and exceeded any of my expectations. But isn't it just a known fact in Hollywood that if Meryl Streep plays a role, we have to nominate her. Like, isn't that a thing? And I thought she was fantastic in the prom. I mean, it was just shocking that they would leave her off. Especially since James Corden got a nomination, but Meryl Streep didn't. I mean, I don't know. Uh, in terms of TV shows, here's the thing about the Golden Globes this year. Because we've all been stuck inside, I feel like I've seen every single TV show that was nominated. I'm sure you have too. I mean, with these pandemic binges we've been having, which sort of makes it exciting to follow the TV nominations because we know all about it. Well, 
My favorite drama, The Crown, leads with six nominations. And my favorite comedy, Schitt's Creek, leads with five. So I am totally into that. But every year I have a favorite category at award shows. Or I should say for each award show I have a favorite category. And for the Golden Globes 2021, my favorite category is, which this often happens, Best Performance by an Actress in a Television Supporting Role. The nominees are Gillian Anderson, The Crown, Helena Bottom Carter, The Crown, Julia Garner, Ozark, Annie Murphy, Schitt's Creek, and Cynthia Nixon, Ratchet. Uh, I just love this category. I love all these women. I don't know who's going to win because Schitt's Creek swept the Emmy, so Annie Murphy collected that statue a few months ago, but... Jillian Anderson in The Crown, your majesty. Okay, that was not good. Your majesty. She was just so good. And I'm not sure if, I'm actually positive she might not get another chance because I don't think Margaret Thatcher will be in next season. So I do think she's going to beat Annie Murphy. But you never know. Julia Garner and Ozark, she's gotten a couple awards for that performance, and people love her. So we shall see. I love it. Um, so in total, Netflix received 42 nominations, 42 dwarfing its competition, whether it was HBO, Hulu, NBC, ABC, CBS. Remember when Netflix was that company that was like, we're going to put DVDs in your mailbox, and you're going to watch movies, and you'll pay us for it. Like, that was cute. Now it's like the titan of all entertainment, period. I mean, if you have, if you're cast on a Netflix show, it's amazing. And you'll probably get a Golden Globe nomination for it. Uh, also this year, Jane Fonda will receive the Cecil B. DeMille Award. So that's going to be great. You know, her speech will be fabulous, probably political. She's going to look amazing. Who knows what she's going to say? Uh, probably be about climate change. Um, we'll see. It's going to be good. Uh, so, yeah, the Golden Globes airs Sunday, February 28th on NBC, which is coming up soon because we're already in February, sis. So get ready. I just can't wait for Tina and Amy. I think I'm sure they're already working on how they're producing the show, and I'm sure they are already writing their jokes. So I will be watching. Uh, speaking of another Golden Globe nominee, Michelle Pfeiffer received her, like, you know, upteenth Golden Globe nomination for her role in French Exit, but that's not what I want to talk about. Um, hold on, let me sip my cup of joe. Did you hear that she wants to play Cat... No, not that she wants... That she would play Catwoman again? I, 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 was, I stopped in my tracks when I read this. Apparently, she recently did an interview with Screen Rant about her role in French Exit. And I'm really glad the interviewer asked her about Catwoman because she said, quote, I would if anyone, it, it, about doing it again, I would if anyone asked me, but no one's asked me yet. Okay, so you're telling me that since the early 90s, all we had to do was just ask her to do it again? First of all, we would have been spared the Halle Berry version. I didn't like it. I like Halle Berry, but after Michelle Pfeiffer put on that cat suit, it's like she's the only one that can do it. And all we had to do was ask her to do it again. Well, Michelle, 
Hi, it's Joe. Um, would you do Catwoman again? I just think it would be... That movie is so good. And something about her portrayal as Catwoman, I think every gay man just understands it. You know, falling out of the apartment building into the heap of garbage and then having cats claw at you and putting on some leather and seeking revenge. I don't know. It, she, she was just incredible. And I did some research. She was not nominated for that um, performance. But it is iconic. Okay, so from Catwoman to cat fights, I think we need to talk about some RuPaul's Drag Race. Okay, because last week, Tamisha Iman and Candy Muse got into it on uh, Friday night's show, and it was epic. So for those of you out there that don't know, which I'm assuming if you're listening to this podcast, you watch RuPaul's Drag Race, but for, you know, my mom and maybe an old coworker, let me explain, okay? Candy Muse is a young 20-something-year-old um, drag queen from the Bronx, okay? And Tamisha Iman is a 50-year-old drag queen who has been in the business for 30 years. Now, both are contestants on the current season of RuPaul's Drag Race, and things got really heated during Untucked when they're backstage. Let's take a listen to how things went down, and then we can talk about it. You just walked in here and say, oh, I don't like you because you be arrogant. Girl, get the f out of here with that bullshit. Oh, well, that's not bullshit. That's a fact, baby. Like I said, if you don't have star quality, baby. get the f out of here. Girl, star quality. I've been around 30 years. Little that's girl. That's fine. And you're at the bottom tonight. Every little girl, little girl. That's my new favorite thing. Um, so that was just the beginning of the fight. This basically goes on for the entire 30 minutes of the show. And I do have to say, I am fans of them both. I love a drag queen with a big personality. Because if you're a drag queen, like, that's a prerequisite. Like, if you're coming in with no personality, maybe change careers, sis. I don't know. And I know that people think Candy Muse was being obnoxious, but I kind of like an obnoxious drag queen. Like, and plus, she's from the Bronx. Like, what else do we expect? I think it's amazing. But bottom line... The, the bottom line was it was just really great reality TV. And that's why we're watching, and that's what they're filming. Um, at the end of the day, I do think Candy needed to take it down like 182 notches. I mean, I don't like pulling the age card, but I do think that Candy needs to respect Tamisha. Yes, they are in the same competition, so they're equals, I guess, on this show. But the fact of the matter is, if Tamisha Iman did not do what she did 30 years ago... I don't think Candy would be on reality TV in 2021. You know, I mean, it wasn't just RuPaul Charles out there in the 80s and 90s doing drag. I mean, those queens back in the day were doing drag with no hope of ever getting on television, let alone the most popular reality television competition series show thing. You know what I mean? Like, they were out there doing it when it was still you know, really controversial to even be out of the closet. And they were putting on pads and wigs and lipstick and turning the party at these pageants. So to some extent, I think Candy just needs to take several seats. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm sure there's some Drag Race fans out there that uh, are, you know, mad at Candy because apparently I've been hearing a lot of the 
quote unquote trolls have been coming after her on social media. And that's the weird thing about this show. The fandom is so big that people take this stuff so seriously. It's like they got into a spat backstage because tensions are high. Okay. It's like Real House. Like, just let it go. Enjoy it. Enjoy the drama. Get into it. But if you're going to crawl on your social media and start sending hateful comments, it's like you got to rethink your priorities. Start a podcast or something, you know, and be nice. I just, I don't get into the hateful tweets and stuff. But, you know, Candy just needs to show some respect. And I think someone else that needs to show some respect is Kelly Dodd. I'm not sure if you guys have been following this story, but the star of The Real Housewives of Orange County, she's starting to get canceled. She got dropped by a beverage line that she had a partnership with. And apparently sources are telling me that she is expecting to be fired from The Real Housewives of Orange County any day now. I'm really hoping I get this podcast up before she gets fired because that's how imminent she thinks it is. I talked to a close Bravo source who is sort of really in on the housewife's tea and he thinks that um, he or she, I don't know, they, someone, uh, not revealing their identity, thinks that, you know, Kelly is expecting to get the chop from Andy because things went down on the reunion, I'm not sure if you saw, between her and Andy. And as all of you, I assume, know, Andy is the the boss of the housewives, and you don't really want to piss him off. Let's listen to how this went down, and then we can chat about it. Yeah, Andy, I feel like I feel horribly, yeah. And you can are making it worse. I mean, are you worried that you're going to be on the wrong side of history? Oh, my God. Like, what? Like, what do you want from me? Okay, so that was, again, just like a 10-seconder about what went down. This went on for a good three minutes because Andy was asking Kelly about her behavior when it comes to COVID. Now, listen, I'm not planning on getting political in this podcast, but I just think, obviously, when we're going through a pandemic, the world is going through this. The least we can do is respect each other and respect the people that have gone through this, that respect the people that have lost loved ones. And Kelly Dodd has definitely, um, I think it's safe to say, been disrespectful. And since the reunion taping, she got even more disrespectful, hence her being dropped by this beverage line, because she posted yet again on Instagram of her out and about with friends Granted, they were outdoor dining, and that's, you know, allowed in most cities. Um, and, but she posted, she's cheersing with friends and saying, cheers to super spreaders. Okay. Regardless of how you're dealing with COVID, you shouldn't be cheersing to super spreader events because super spreader events are what caused people to lose their lives. And this has been like strike 17. I'm not even going to go into all the other things that she did, but it's also, again, it's everyone is dealing with this pandemic differently. But how about use your brain? Don't put it on Instagram. Cheers to your health and your friend's health. I don't know. Cheers to a sunny day. It looked like a nice sunny day out in Orange County. I mean, cheers 
Cheers to super spreaders, Kelly. I don't know. I can't handle her. I interviewed her at BravoCon, and she's rude. There, I said it. She's probably not going to listen to this. And I'll tell you this. She's not invited on this podcast. I won't be interviewing her. You know, Real Housewives of Orange County has been talked about because uh, Megan McCain, Andy Cohen, and one of my favorite podcasters, Evan Ross Katz, had some tweets about it. Megan McCain said they need to get rid of it. And Andy Cohen commented back on Twitter and said that they need a rehaul or a reboot. And I think that means there's going to be some casting changes. I think this past season has been a little dull. I have to admit, The Real Housewives of Orange County is my least favorite of all the housewives. And I consider myself a housewives expert, and I have a million reasons why it's not the best. But I support a reboot, and I think if they give me an entire new cast, I'll watch. I do like Emily, and I do like Gina, but I completely agree with Megan and Andy and Evan that we got to do something. Something needs to happen. So I'll keep you posted on what happens with Kelly Dodd. Who knows, by next week's episode, she could have gotten the axe. Let's see. In other Housewives news, the Real Housewives of New Jersey star Joe Judice may be getting his own reality show. Now, this is something that I've been thinking is going to happen ever since he was deported. Joe Judice is the husband or the ex-husband of uh, Teresa Judice and has been an integral part of the Real Housewives franchise overall since the beginning of days because Teresa is an OG housewife and this was back when... You know, she's flipping tables and Joe was next to her. So he's been a part of the show for a long time. So I sort of assumed that when he went to Italy, that Bravo might try to figure out a reality show. Now, this reality show that he may be starting, I don't think has anything to do with Bravo. Sounds like it's an Italy thing. I don't have information on that yet. My thing is, regardless of if it's on Bravo or not, is like, what is this going to be about him just talking about his weight loss and missing his family in Italy. I just don't think he has enough personality to carry it by himself. You know, I don't know. I'll have to ask some of the Jersey housewives because they've been invited on the pod and some have said yes. So that's exciting. Um, so we'll have to talk about Joe Judice when they come on. Um, full disclosure, something I've done in quarantine has been binge the entire, the entire series of Real Housewives of New Jersey. I started with season one, episode one on Hulu, and I've even watched the screener for the premiere that is happening in a couple of weeks. And let me tell you, that is probably the best, definitely one of the best Housewives premieres I've ever seen, ever. And also, don't judge me for watching Real Housewives in its entirety. It has been comforting. And let me tell you, if you are a Housewives fan, I recommend it. Jump on Hulu, you know, put it on the back, on in the background when you're working, while you're cooking, before you go to bed. I zoom through that bitch in a couple of months, and I feel closer to Teresa Judice than ever. I didn't think I was that big of a fan of hers, but let me tell you, I totally love Teresa. I think she's a great mom. I want Caroline Manzo back on the show. 
I love the years with Kathy Wakili and Rosie. Ugh, it really just cemented my love for New Jersey, and I didn't think I loved it as much as I did, but I do. Okay. All right, that's enough Real Housewives chatter for the week. Let's move on to a segment I like to call I Love It. All right, each week I'm going to talk about something that I am loving because, again, we're all just sitting at home consuming movies, TV, music, books. And I let me tell you, I'm consuming it all. But this week I am loving Fran Lebowitz. Okay, if you haven't seen her latest series on Netflix, Pretend It's a City, I stop listening to this podcast right now and listen to it or and go watch it because it was... Oh, so good. I could watch it a million times over. Actually, I think when I'm done recording this, I'm going to put it back on. For those of you that don't know, Fran Lebowitz is a, a writer, a commentator, uh, just a general uh, famous New Yorker, you know, just a fabulous, fabulous person. I mean, and people are absolutely loving the show. I mean, it was even parodied last this past Saturday on SNL by the brilliant Bowen Yang, who would lo- I would love to get on this podcast. We got to get Bowen on. Um, he was brilliant as Fran Lebowitz, and I, I really think that the show came on at the right time because people are calling it a love letter to New York, even though she is basically complaining about everything and anything under the sun when it comes to New York City. But because we've all been um, you know, stuck inside due to COVID, it, it's making me fall in love with New York City all over again as I'm sitting in the middle of it. Um, they obviously filmed this before um, COVID hit, so we're able to get a lot of good footage and her walking through the city and chatting with uh, Martin Scorsese, who directed it and executive produced it. Um, and there's just, she's just the best. She is dry. She is funny. She is unapologetic. She actually had something really amazing to say about gays and the city, and I guess any city, and I just thought it was spot on. She said, quote, one of the reasons people our age came to New York if you were gay was because you were gay. That created a kind of density of angry homosexuals, which is always good for a city. Like, it's the things that come out of her mouth are the most honest and sincere. And you almost think like, well, duh. But the way she says it, it's like the most profound, brilliant thing you've ever heard. Like, yeah, angry homosexuals are good for a city. You are right, Fran. I mean, I don't know. I'm just obsessed, obsessed with her. And before I go to bed at night, I YouTube interviews because there's like 17 million on YouTube because I feel like that's what she does for a living is, do like talkbacks in front of audiences and I love it and I just keep finding more and more and I am just uh, knee deep in Fran Lebowitz lately so that's what I'm loving all right we are at the 31 minute mark listen it's just me chatting this week but we have a slew of incredible incredible people coming on the podcast so don't worry it's not just going to be me talking to myself every week you know don't miss don't miss us next week because uh, I will say I will be joined by the housewife that everyone has been wanting to hear from after recent events. Um, 
because we want to talk to her. You know, it's going to be a great conversation because she always knows how to make it nice. That's all I'll say, but that's the easiest hint ever. Okay, so she's coming on. We've got more great guests. Tune in every week. Follow, subscribe, leave a five-star review. If you want to leave less than a five-star review, don't because I don't appreciate it. Um, So that's it. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time. Ta-ta for now.